0: All right, this is Ben here live from my bedroom. We are recording this during this terrible um, pandemic situation we have here all around the world, and uh, we are all confined at home, of course, but that doesn't stop me from recording more Aykragorama episodes because you deserve it. You do. And um, today I have a treat for you because um, I am joined by Professor John Walsh from University College Dublin one of the founders of iCRAG and actually we'll talk about the history of the institute and how it all began, how um, we went from the start of John's career to uh, building this amazing institute and of course we'll talk about faults and fractures and how knowing more about their evolution is useful for exploration of resources and it'll be super interesting. So uh, stay tuned. And um, let's send the opening titles and get started with the interview. Enjoy! This is Aykragorama, Homemade Edition, the podcast about all things Irish geoscience, with your host, Ben Couvin. Season 2, Episode 5. Today, our guest is Professor John Walsh from UCD. So, um, great to have you on the show, John. How are you?
1: (laughs) Oh, I'm grand. Yeah, it's grand. It's nice. Uh, I went out for my daily walk, uh, (laughs) did my, whatever it was, four kilometers, uh, two two out and two back. And uh, it's a nice way of setting you up, which I don't have the opportunity to do when we're not in lockdown. I sort of get on a train and I I travel for an hour and a bit into home. So, yeah, nice way to start today. Yes, so uh,
0: it seems the, the pandemic situation that we have is not affecting that much your work?
1: Um, we've had a lot of online material to do for teaching of course. So instead of standing up in front of a, uh, a class where you have the lectures written, um, you have to record them. And I think it's a little bit more demanding. You know, students are mm-hmm. more forgiving when you're standing in front of them. But if you're actually doing a video, you sort of expect yourself not to trip over your words and stuff like that. So it's taken a while to actually perfect that. But uh, yeah, now I've done, I'm doing sort of about four videos uh, a week now at this stage uh, of my lectures, some of which I'm writing, but it's, it's, it's gone grand. It's different. I just need to get a better video bloody uh, <laughs> uh, oh, thing. Yeah. I reckon it's quite blurred. So it does my, does me uh, uh, plenty of uh it's probably better off that I actually look blurred rather than really crisp, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, and also, I guess with um, with the new generation, uh, you have to deal with all the comments on the videos and the likes and, <laughs> and and.
1: Well, I'd like to think that there was any response to it at all, but I <laughs> haven't really, I haven't really checked. I, I, I'm just sort of expecting that um, uh, that there will be some who will be interested and they're watching it. I watch it and they might get a bit of a laugh at it and I might learn something from it. And then there will be others who most likely would just look at my notes, which are of course available. And they're relatively complete uh on the principle that if I'm a rubbish uh lecturer, then at least my notes are good. Um so uh yeah, no I, I'm not expecting response. We get feedback at the end of every course and generally it's okay. I mean they they don't think I'm terrible. So that's that's a relief.
0: Yeah, you've been a a lecturer um, at iCRAG for, well, at at UCD mostly for a long time. Um, Since how long exactly? Well, we moved
1: our group, uh, the Fault Analysis Group, we moved our entire group over from Liverpool to Dublin in 2000. Uh, We were in Liverpool for 15 years. And before we moved back to UCD, in fact, I didn't lecture at all. Uh, I I had a lecturing position but I had permanent leave of absence. Uh, I just had to, uh, run the group. And, uh, that was important because there's income directly related to the quality of your research. The school gets income. And so it was more important for the school that we had several people in our group and we were taking over than it was for me to be teaching. So one of the attractions of coming home was that I could actually do some lecturing and, uh, Which is so? I've really only been a lecturer for nearly well, I say nearly twenty years. That's about the lifetime of um, uh, many of our students. But yeah, since then I only really started, and then I, God, then I had such a huge load compared to our English uh, equivalents. We got big teaching loads, so I went from one extreme to another. But I enjoy the teaching; it's good.
0: Yeah, I really wanted to have you on the show because. You've been here for a very long time and uh, you, you actually are one of the founders of iCRAG. You've been the head of iCRAG. So uh, the first one, the, the OG head of iCRAG. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm, um, yeah, I'm really interested mm. in all that history of the Institute and, and how, how did this all start? So I guess, um, mm. I guess we can even go back to the start of your career. When,
1: when did you do your PhD and, and where, what about... Yeah, I did my degree in in UCD um, a long time ago. Oh, I was working at it 44 years ago. So um, I started my degree. I finished in 1980. And then uh, from UCD, I temporarily went to McGill. I started a master's in geochronology, But um, I was being asked to really just date rocks. I, I was more interested in isotope systematics. So in the end, I, I had been offered a PhD just beforehand to uh, work in an area in Norway, but based in Galway. And that was before I got on the plane to go to Canada. I had everything organized. Spent a few months in Canada and then decided I can't avoid, you know, I have to do this PhD. I went to Galway. Part of my money was basically uh, derived from me doing lecturing. I was lecturing to engineering geology students. And then I did my mapping in central Norway, a study area in central Norway.
0: Where, where was and it in,
1: in Norway exactly? You know Trondheim? Trondheim, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, south of Trondheim, there's a, a, a valley called Okla It's the Orkla mm-hmm. Valley. And that uh, extends south. And uh, I, was, I was in an area, a place called Meldal. Lucken is another part of my area. A little village uh, where I stayed. And I spent, I think, about nine months in three separate seasons. Nine months doing I there. yeah up on my own in a tent (laughs) with only the in the first year only the lemmings surrounding me Uh, they they wouldn't allow it now because safety uh, health and safety but i was on my own for basically over nine months
0: that's that's a hell of an adventure uh was it nine months like
1: in 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 one go or in no three batches so it was the summer summer months in fact it's a very odd thing to be in Norway, um, sort of northern, central Norway, um, during the summer because there's, uh, it can be 24 hours light. Yeah. And uh, so uh, you're on your own. You're in a tent uh, up the top of the mountains in Norway. And uh, on my first week, I, I, I brought my radio and the battery ran out. <laughs> right. And I... And I didn't, actually, I was stupid. I I didn't have a watch. What an idiot! on my first Mm -hmm. week. And I I came down what I thought was five days later to get the bus to go to a little house that I was going to be staying in over the weekend. And I was about four hours wrong. So I had no (laughs) way of judging what the days were. Uh, I ended up, I think I was about four hours early. And somebody told me years later, well, you know that our natural clock is about closer to 23 hours than Mm -hmm. it is Oh, is uh, it? For day 24. I, I'm not sure that's true, but it certainly was true in my case. I arrived for a lunchtime bus at about 8 o'clock in the morning.
0: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so, yeah, brilliant. no, it was,
1: it was great. And uh, I, it was great rock, great geology. I loved it. And it was a great training. I, I did everything, sedimentology, mm-hmm. geochemistry, structural geology, the whole works. But you, you don't get a chance to do a PhD like that these days. It's much more specialist. Yeah, it's
0: incredible. I'd love to have had the opportunity to stay in the field that long. And uh, yeah. yeah, also, I guess in Norway, something I learned over there was um, managing to sleep in any sort of
1: lighting conditions. Like, yes, <laughs> did you learn to do that there? <laughs> well, you do, because it's bright. And, and yeah. by the same token, there are people who can't, uh, they get sad, isn't it? They get the SAD, which is a, uh, they cannot actually cope with the lack of light during the Mm -hmm. winter. And um, I met a woman who actually took a very bad turn when she went up to Northern Norway in Finnmark. And uh, she was never the same since, but yeah, it's a very odd thing for people who are not used to it, but what a beautiful place though. And what a really civilized people they are. It's it's whereabouts were you? Uh, Bergen. Oh, Bergen's lovely beautiful
0: a i spent time in
1: bergen yet yeah, the department is where i was sort of linked to so i went mm. to bergen uh every trip i spent a week or two in bergen before yeah it's cool yeah i love that city yeah it's um, not bad
0: did you meet any bears over there
1: in the valley no bears uh, moose 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 oh, yeah. yeah yeah and uh, a moose with a calf um, oh. I was there for, and they're quite dangerous if you get between them, but I was there for a lemming year. (laughs) right? And a lemming year, it's weird. They just, all of a sudden, there's an infestation of lemmings. And my first year, I just thought this was normal. There was lemmings everywhere. They're very highly strung. And they were the only thing that I ever saw during my times in the field. And sometimes you would go past them, they'd get on the hind legs, and they would nearly explode with the stress. In a what? really high-pitched voice, yeah, yeah. And you think, oh oh, sh- shit. So you walk on, you try and... Uh, you don't want the, to really stress them. And then what happens is that because they're so overpopulated, because mm-hmm. it's a lemming year, that all of a sudden they start to die. They don't throw themselves off cliffs, <laughs> uh, which is the story. Yeah. But they actually start to die. And you start to see lots of lemmings, which apparently have died of lack of food and stress. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, But, uh, yeah, uh, they were the things that I most oftentimes saw. Um, To be honest, I never really saw anything particularly exotic uh, apart from a moose. uh, Because once the moose really come uh, on and they're they're around a lot, you get out of there. Because the moose hunting season starts. I think. If you were shot by a moose hunter, that would be the end of it. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, it wouldn't be good.
0: All right. So uh, then you you did your PhD. And what did you do after that?
1: Well, I, I was very lucky to get a, a postdoc in Liverpool, working with somebody who was really great. Um, he's a great thinker, a person called June Watterson. And uh, he was uh, he was a great structural geologist. And, and we set up a, a group called the Fault Analysis Group, which is still the group that we have today. And uh, we started working. Out, we started working as a postdoc, and the group did really well. We were working on data, mainly industry data from uh, coal and seismic. We were one of the first groups to get into seismic data, but also doing outcrop data in quarries and on faults. Everything was to do with faults, and so the fault analysis group is effectively. I mean, our our technical diet has certainly broadened, but this the central thing has oftentimes been and so um, it just went really well and eventually June retired in the mid 90s I took over as the head of the group and five years later um, there was an opportunity to come home um, and uh, myself and Conrad talked about it because uh, Conrad was there and Tom. Uh, Conrad wanted to go home because his wife is Irish, Conrad's Irish, I'm Irish, my wife's Irish and Tom didn't really like Liverpool. And uh, his wife, uh, Itali, was quite happy with the move. So we moved the whole group, about eight people, um, eight basically postdocs, all in one week. We left on a Wednesday. We had a year to prepare. I was doing my teaching from afar. So I would come over every week in the previous year. And then we just, in one day, Wednesday, shut up shop in Liverpool. We got a a van or a removal van Everything was moved over. Half of the group were able, said, we just go off and enjoy yourself for the next few days. We'll see you on Monday. And uh, this van, delivery van arrived. It broke its axle on the docks. Oh, no. You know the roundabouts by the, the, the toll station? Yeah. The axle of this van broke and uh, the whole of Dublin uh, was ground to a standstill. <laughs> um, which, which the head of research, she was taught of so funny that our arrival in Dublin was marked by unbelievable traffic jam. And um, and then uh, we were ready. All the we, we had arranged one member of the group with uh, UCD IT for months beforehand, all the networks, the computers and everything. We brought up over all our funding and we started work on Monday. And, That's um, crazy. The move of moved. the millennium. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was a hell of a move. It was like a team being transferred. And it, it went well. Um, and I earned enough money for my teaching so that all the group could stay uh, on campus in student accommodation for three months over the summer. So Brilliant. they had a great time being in Dublin. They really enjoyed it. I'm not sure we got much work out of them, to yeah. be honest. Too much socialising. So I'm curious, what are the applications of
0: your expertise? So how knowing about faults helps
1: society? <laughs> yeah, well, um, that's where I think we're uh, we're really quite lucky. You know, there are lots of people working in areas which don't quite have the applications associated with them, even though they're scientifically really good, very interesting and so on. In, in my case, I think that we have this, the scientifically interesting, I'd like to think we're, we're pretty good, but um, that's for other people to judge. But we're lucky that what we do is useful. And the reason it's useful is that um, in lots of industries, faults are some of the controlling features for the localization of resources. So for example, uh, mineral deposits, Irish mineral deposits are effectively adjacent to faults. They're controlled, the mineralizing fluids came up along faults. So you have to find faults to find mineral deposits. You have to understand the geometries of the faults to understand the geometry and the plumbing of the mineral system. And uh, from the uh, hydrocarbon perspective, the conventional trap in the old days, uh, classic reservoir in in the offshore North Sea, was a fault trap with on the upthrown side of the fault with oil or gas trapped against the fault surface. So faults were really important from that point of view. And groundwater, all of Ireland's groundwater effectively is controlled by faults, fractures, and related karst. And I could go on, but it's just the way it is. its is. Um, they're important structures. Um, from an earthquake hazard point of view, for example, geohazards. I've been lucky enough to work on air- earthquake things and also on volcanoes, the collapse of volcanoes by fault. So uh, it, it's sort of very many and varied, and we're just... Um, it's really nice to be able to work in an area which is interesting, but also it has the additional benefit of being useful. But I wouldn't say that that was the turn. That wasn't the most important thing. The most no. important thing is it's interesting. It's interesting. Uh, it's
0: very diverse, isn't it? Because you get to uh, to work yeah. with a lot of different disciplines.
1: Exactly. And uh, you have to sort of learn how different people talk, uh, different disciplines talk. There's often a language if you're dealing with... Uh, Let's say you're dealing with engineers or hydrologists or hydrogeologists. Uh, Economic geologists are even different too, and different types of economic geologists. So um, part of it, I think, is a a sort of a a communication thing. Uh, You need to learn how to talk to people, but you also need to learn what they don't know as well as what they do know. You can learn from what they do know, but there are things that maybe they don't know and, and it's in your specialty area. And you can potentially pursue that and discover solutions to things or problems or processes that they haven't done before. Um, and I think it's probably just because we've been doing it for so long now, really. Um, I mean it's 35 years now the group has been going that we've sort of built over the years, we've got a general understanding of quite a lot of things. I think the only thing that were true we're probably proper experts in are false but we do know a bit about a lot of other things and sometimes we just do them ourselves I mean sometimes it's impossible mm-hmm. to talk to some people with a particular discipline and those people don't think that what you're doing is important so you end up having to learn that particular area and you have to effectively begin to um, pursue that yourselves and uh, and we 've done that in some cases too we 've just sort of done things that we couldn 't get any sort of expert interested in in the end they worked out quite well you know they've we 've actually enjoyed it and they 've been you know people have found them interesting and then you had the opportunity to start icrag. How did that come to be? that That was a hell of a shock because <laughs> one of the the first steps was that um, there were a couple of people who we're talking to the likes of SFI funding bodies and sort of uh, extolling the virtues, or at least not overstating them, but saying, you know, geoscience needs to be uh, supported. Um, mm-hmm. We were never in there, not with the IT side of things and the biotech. We were always poor mouths. And uh, there were a couple of people who were sort of um, really getting geosciences mentioned. And, and there would be people like Pat Shannon, and uh, Kuhn for Bruggen from the Survey, we were we were actually begun to be included, and and SFI uh, Mark Ferguson in particular said, "Well, you know, we, we'll include you in a call. You're going to be one of ten disciplines that potentially could uh, pitch for a research center. And We thought, "Whoa, this is this is cool." And then um, so uh, we had the first phase, which is very short. Uh, first phase, in the end they were going to let us through because we were the only bid uh, linked to geosciences. Um, we were probably going to be getting in anyway. And and I had said at the first stage, I said, listen, I, I'm too busy to oversee this when people suggested that I, I do. I said, but if we get through the first phase, I, I'm happy to head it up. And uh, and we did. I couldn't believe it. Um, I mean, in the end, they, they let quite a few through. Uh, and so, that was January 2014. That's when we found out and that's basically when I had to, um, we, we put together a team and, and I ended up being at the head of it. And we put together a proposal, links with companies and, and ICRAG as it is today. And, and we had to do a a really interesting one, which is like a dragon's den. I don't know if you know a dragon's den, <laughs> yeah. where you, you stand in front of these people who are going to invest in you. We had, we had to do the academic equivalent of that. All of us had to go into a room with our suits on. We had a, an hour in front of the dragon's den, which is <laughs> lots of people from SFI and experts and so on and so forth. And we had to, I had to give a 20 minute talk. Um, and that talk had to deliver and talk about what it is that we wanted to do. Of course, our, our, our work was reviewed already, and the review for our proposal went well. And then we did this uh, dragon's den. We had forty minutes questioning afterwards, and and then we left. And uh, we thought, thought oh, this went quite well. You know what? We could actually get funding. And in the end, we did, and and I think we did quite well. And um, we were, we generally our, our presentation proposal uh, was was I think ranked very well. So, and there was we knew by I think October I think it was. Um, that uh, we were getting funding, more or less, maybe a little bit f- before that. And then um, we we had the official announcement, which I couldn't attend. I was in Ghana giving a course. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, and then all hell broke loose then after that, because we had nothing. We had no staff, mm-hmm. no students, no postdocs. We knew we were getting funding from about November and then everything had to be geared up. So it was a lot of effort and um, I was sort of doing that then for three years and and, uh, then the opportunity of Murray coming over. Murray being keen on taking over. I was delighted because I'd sort of had enough. I had nearly four years of it and I thought, God, you know, it'd be good. And Murray's done these sorts of things before. He's he's well expert. And so I just thought that's a fantastic opportunity and and I've got my life back uh, since which is quite nice. So I started writing papers once I was finished in 2018. Uh, the first time I'd written a paper in about three or, f- three or four years on my own. Like I, I actually sat down and wrote with a blank page and, like, and I've been doing sort of things like that. So I, I've got more of a balance now, but it is all consuming being the head of something like that, particularly when it was starting. I think it's, it's like, but now we have reviews and stuff and Murray and Jen and, and ourselves are sort of confronting those and it, it is a big thing, but listen it 's a fantastic opportunity we were given and uh, and I think we've we 've done a pretty good job at it and, and, and hopefully long may it continue because uh, it 's a great thing for geosciences, and we 'd like to think it 's a great thing for the country as well but
0: yeah what yeah. were what were the advantages of um having an institute like this compared to what you had before? with just the school, uh, except for the money,
1: I mean. Yeah, well, um, I mean, the thing is that the, the community was, it wasn't the geoscience community, it wasn't incredibly cohesive, but we did all know each other. But there was so little funding for research that we didn't really have an opportunity to work together or collaboratively. And I suppose what... Uh, iCrack did is because it involves all the institutions working on geoscience was to pull them all together in one organization it provided uh, funding uh, to do research and that research is oftentimes pursued not just on a ucd basis but on a ucd tcd ucc uh, NUIG, nui whatever basis you know so a, a national basis and uh i think we just We've got to know each other. we got to work better with each other. And in the end, the idea was that the entirety would be better than the sum of the parts if we pulled together and worked together. Mm-hmm.
0: What are the current projects that um, iCRAG is doing when it comes to um, uh, folds and resources? Yeah, so
1: that'd be the offshore uh, evolution of the basins, uh, tying in with... Uh, Obviously, the gas sort of resources. We're actually doing some work now on on carbon storage and geothermal, because again, the geothermal side of things is is basically controlled by structure. Uh, Groundwater and the mineral deposit stuff is great because, um, I mean, I'd always looked at the mineral deposit world from from a distance and I I dipped my toes in it. I, I had some involvement with some of the mines over the years, but... Not a lot. Then when I came home, people started talking to us. And, but I could see that we had a fantastic geological resource. We had an industry which had started in the 1970s before then. Uh, it had mine data, which is second to none. Mineral deposits, which are known the world over as Irish-type mineral deposits. They're the analogs for deposits which are even bigger. like Mount Isa is one of the biggest deposits in, um, in, in Australia. And people use Irish deposits as an analogue, a much less deformed analogue than Mount Isa is, which has been through all sorts of N deformation phases. So um, I knew that there was great data uh, available. And what we've done is is in pulling all that data together in 3D models, I think we're really getting to to grips with what caused these mineral deposits, what are the underlying processes, why they're spatially, where they are. And then I suppose by uh, implications, where perhaps they're more likely to be if we're trying to discover other ones. But uh, we've got a lot of the subsurface of Ireland now in the throes of becoming a 3D model. And offshore, it's exactly the same. So we're sort of, We've got Irish geology in, uh, in colour, rotating <laughs> rapidly. And, uh, and I think we, hopefully we'll be able to tap into that for, for many years to come. But we've already been getting papers out and, uh, and uh, it's great to see younger people. Uh, we, do you remember we had the Croke Park thing? Um, yeah. Bash. I remember attending that and thinking, this is cool. We had a lot of young people standing up talking about really interesting stuff, companies very interested, or other academic interests. And I thought, well, there you go. <laughs> this is this iCrag thing is doing all right. Uh, yeah. I was I was delighted with it. Yes,
0: yeah. that's fantastic. So, what are the current um, open minds? Uh, you probably said it already, but like the currently open and <laughs> yep. producing minds, and what Mount. are they producing ex- exactly? Yep. Uh, what type of element? What type of metal?
1: Well, the only open mine at the moment, when we started, uh, the Lachine mine was was open for a year when we started as, as a, a centre. But that's closed since. Navin is open. Navin has been open since 1970. It's one of the biggest zinc lead mines, uh, sort of probably the biggest in Europe, I would have thought. Um, and it's still producing. There are several old mines and these these are the archives that I'm referring to where we can okay. actually get all of the mining data and build these three-dimensional models. Companies are trying to find more, but at the moment there's only one. There was three at one stage in the 2000s. Yeah, there were three, uh, Lachine and Galmoy. But Galmoy and Lachine are basically produced all that they're going to produce. Um, so we're waiting for another one maybe to come along. Uh, Navin has discovered an extension to Navin only okay. uh, a couple of years ago. And I crack had some involvement in that. And uh, that's, that's it now, one and a half kilometers depth. And it's going to sustain people's jobs for several hundred people uh, over the next 10 years. And so Navin is certainly extending and it has exploration success. But we're hoping that we will get another mine. Here and there um, uh, in the in the next decade or so, um, but nothing has been a great success. Yeah,
0: okay, and uh, yeah, just the last question about this. Uh, I know that Ireland has been like um, historically a big producer of copper. So, is there any any copper mines still operating?
1: Um, no, there's not. Uh, there's zinc and lead. Is what I should have said. is nothing and, and we 're actually really big producers of zinc and lead in the world, and <laughs> um, there have been copper copper mines to the south, and there has been research performed by icrag on uh, the carbon, uh, copper mineralization there's some thinking from icrag now that the copper mineralization might actually be linked to the zinc and lead mineralization to the north okay and um, so that might gear in, but there's also gold in the north, and we've had uh a project on uh, gold, and other people are working on gold in Outcrag, and that's uh, that's a new mine which uh, looks like it's going to progress. It's got sort of uh, very significant resources, and that that could have a really long life as a gold mine. And that's in uh, Tyrone. So there there are a lot of them um, potential uh, things: the copper, the zinc, and the lead, the lithium. People mm-hmm. have been uh, obviously looking into lithium in the uh, southeast of the country. And um, uh, David Cater and Julian have been doing some good work on that. So th- th- there are many sorts of general areas which uh, we hope uh, will, for Ireland at least, uh, come to fruition. But it's a bit like an uh, an exploration program. You know, There yeah. is a risk associated with all this. If you find something that it's huge, it's big time, and if you don't, it's probably not that different to what you might have expected, given the resources you're investing. The returns are massive, potentially. Yeah,
0: definitely. So um, yeah. I, I guess this is going to be uh, my, my last um, question. Right yeah. now, we are experiencing and undergoing a global crisis with this uh, pandemic and um, it's really, it's really bad. Economies are recessing. How do you think this crisis will impact the world of of geoscience and science in general?
1: I think that, you know, this this is this is really an event which we've never had to deal with before. I actually think that a lot of good things will come out of it. Um, it is difficult, but in the long run if we don't travel as much around the world, that's a good thing. Mm. If, we, if we become uh, well able to cope and better able to cope scientifically and communicate scientifically without people uh, flying around the world, then that to my mind is a good thing. If people can work uh, from at home a little bit more than perhaps they did before, it's certainly not a bad thing. So to my mind, uh, I think there are lots of things that uh, potential benefits that might arise from this. But for the moment, of course, it's all and the headlines are quite rightly all negative, And it's it's a hell of a thing. And people are going to be suffering a great deal and already are. Mm-hmm. I think the governments have stepped in. And they are hopefully uh, managing to to keep things on keel, so that when the lockdown stops and we start to try to get things moving again, we can manage to do so without uh, falling back into another uh, retreat and uh, a return. But it's hard to see how we could do an awful lot different to what's been done now. We'd be certainly better able to cope with the next one, Mm -hmm. and that'll happen. (laughs) Let's hope so. We, we will. And in the end, I, I think it's one thing that's really reinforced the importance of people working in health and the importance of scientists. And you can't talk the science down. You can't dismiss it. We've seen people at very high levels who attempt to dismiss the importance of science. But you can't deny it. All the gesturing and the posturing and is is not worth a curse. Uh, if the science doesn't back you up. So I, I think people will those areas, medicine, medicine and science will actually benefit from from this. But for the moment it's certainly uh it's a hell of a thing. Unprecedented.
0: It's almost all the time we have. So um I'm not going to uh ask you if you're going to any conferences uh soon oh. <laughs> as I do <laughs> usually. Yeah, um, do
1: you <laughs> yeah, no. I think the answer would be no. Um, <laughs> but I EGU are arranging an online one so uh, oh yeah. yeah true true um
0: so will you be participating in that
1: I think I will yeah now I think at every chance that I will and uh, I think we'll all start to do things like that which is not <laughs> no bad thing uh and where
0: can people find you on social media
1: um I'm at oh god I'm so it's, it's this Ask john j f walsh on twitter right and it's check me john walsh on on linkedin uh i put posts up every so often i've been a bit tardy for the last few months (laughs) and uh, facebook i don't really look at facebook but um yeah it's kind uh, of on the decline yeah it's hard to juggle all of these different platforms (laughs) and i'm too old for juggling (laughs) so uh, no twitter and linkedin are ones that i do check periodically i'm not immersed in them but they're at the grand great
0: thank you john for uh, right. coming along on the podcast and um yeah i hope uh, i see you as soon as this um, <laughs> this crisis yeah. is, is over and uh, we're
1: all back in
0: the office at ucd and, uh, yeah. yeah i hope so
1: <laughs> and thanks very much for having me and asking me to chat it's been a pleasure <laughs> great good man we see you soon thank you john bye all right bye bye